Hello and welcome back to the No One Asked For This pod. I'm Jen. And I'm Abby. And yeah, no one asked for this. Like no one asked for a stubbed toe on a Monday. <laughs> Had to be a Monday as well. Let's get into it. We are going to talk about being married and unmarried today, aren't we, Abby? Yeah, relationships. Do you want to start? Um, no, not really. Okay, I'll start. Do you want to start? Um, I have been in very unsuccessful relationships, I think it would be fair to say. Um, unsuccessful in the sense that they didn't work out, but successful in what I learned, I suppose. Um, clutching at straws there a little bit on a couple of them, but um, unsuccessful in the sense of I'm not married, I've never been married. Um, and I've been single for quite some time now, two and a half years. But I've recently started dating again, and so it's I, I'm having more fun than I've ever had. Just in the idea of, because I think what switched for me was quite simply the idea that, so the last relationship that I was in, it would be mild to say it was horrendous. It would be mild to say the ending of it was, was just awful. But what came from it was the realization that I would rather be on my own for the rest of my life than ever in a situation like that again. And so what that freed up in me is this feeling of, oh, actually in that case, I'm I'm happy on my own, right? And I'm okay on my own. And actually, in comparison to that situation that I've just got out of, I'm better on my own. So now I'm not dependent on the idea, the idea that I should be married and I should have kids to make me a complete human being because honestly I think there's an awful lot of that that I grew up around um I think we we were still part of a generation of that I know I know England was very similar but I can only talk from my experience of going to Catholic schools um being dragged to church these things being drilled into you very subtly from a very very young age Mm mm-hmm Mm. That kind of life was about being married. Life was about having children. That that was the kind of selfless way that you could live was to dedicate your life to someone else and to have children and raise them right, whatever that means. So it meant it meant so many people felt so many different versions of pressure, whether they did or didn't, whether they, they were getting it wrong or right, whatever, again, whatever that means, because there isn't a right or wrong. I hope I'm making sense here. Yeah. When I got out of the relationship, the last one, it was this realization of, I don't want that at any cost. I don't want to be a mom if I'm unhappy. I don't want to be in a relationship if I'm unhappy. I don't want to be with someone to, for the sake of it because we fight and and you hear this terminology of you kind of have to settle and I know that that has a sliding scale in itself but I, I don't want to do this if it means I'm unhappy and consequently the other person cannot be happy because you can't be happy if you're with someone that's not happy to be with you you know it, it's this vicious cycle thing so 
I took a step back very consciously from anything to do with dating, anything to do with being in a relationship, because I remember having a conversation with you quite early on in this of like, obviously nobody expected me to, because it really, really was a, quite a horrendous, horrendous separation and breakup and, 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 and things that happened as a result. This was a lot of stuff to get past and a lot of stuff to feel out. And because the beauty of this as well was the breakup happened in COVID. And so it was kind of only the people that were closest to me that were in contact with me, which meant I sort of got to go into hibernation to lick my wounds. But the people that were talking to me or the people that were in contact would be like, you know, you need to, you need to take time for yourself and you need to do you. And as time went on and family were in touch, somewhere along the line, it's like there was this memo sent out that I didn't get, but in a very close time frame, a lot of people started suggesting that I start dating. And I was like, and I think it was around the seven or eight month mark. So about seven or eight months single, it's like, it's time to go and date. It's time to like, are you, are you considering moving on? Are you consider it might be the best thing for you. It might be, might be a good idea too. And I'm thinking, did you all have some kind of conference call? <laughs> To suggest, like, I don't know how they all, like, really weirdly started suggesting this at all around about the same time. And I was like, honest to God, how do you know these time frames? And this, and this is turning a little bit more into a breakup podcast than I intended it to be. But this moving on thing and this how long you're supposed to take and what you're supposed to do and how you end up in a relationship. For me, I had to take the time that I needed. And for me, it was about as as corny as this might sound cuz but I'm going to say cuz it's the best thing I ever did was getting on myself um was learn a little bit more about me was make decisions standing on my own two feet was was not making decisions based upon what I thought the probable outcome of a relationship for it was or the the potential it gave me to be a good wife or a good girlfriend or a good mom that I just do things for me now. And and I didn't realise truly how much of my life was conditioned to be about that, around that. Mm. Um, it was making me desirable or worthy of being a wife without ever considering what kind of husband I would like. You know, it was yeah. it was being ready to become a mom without ever considering whether I actually wanted to be. And so that massive gap has given me lots of thinking space. Do I have the answers? Absolutely not. Um, I still don't know the answers to those questions, but I, I do know I do know an awful lot more about me. And I, and I know that for the first time in my life, <coughs> it's that feeling of being worthy. It's that feeling of, of deserving happiness and and knowing myself enough to know that I have have a lot to offer and I I really never felt like that so so now dating for me it no longer has this pressure that the job interview analogy has come up a few times in, in a few different scenarios to do with dating and it does amuse me because it I suppose there was a part of it that was treated like that now I never went on dates for the sake of dates 
I was dating people that I either had been introduced to or had met out on already and was pretty much going on a date because, and I've thought about this recently and it never seemed bizarre to me, but now I say it and it seems so bananas. I was going on dates with people that I was already aware I was going to be in a relationship with. And then I would continue the dating. I never really went on dates for the sake of meeting people, for spending a nice evening with with some nice company to get to know and to figure out whether or not you want to move forward. I was going on dates with people that I had already decided we were, we were going to be in a relationship with or them, me or both, hopefully both. (laughs) We're going to be together. Um, so I never really had a dating world. I thought it was quite American. I thought it was more what the Americans do that cool. Like we're dating, we're courting. I, I just didn't get it. And now there's a dating app involved, which I never thought would be in my life. And I haven't had any horrendous experiences. There's been a couple of weirdos that I've needed to block. And there's been a couple of people that have thrown their toys out of the pram, which I find quite funny. Um, But all in all, it's like I said to you recently, you get to go out and meet someone new and maybe have a cup of coffee or a drink or if it's, I don't know if you do dinner. I did dinner with one person, but I kind of knew him. So that was a cheat. Um, and you kind of have a chat and then and then go home. And I, I'm not thinking about the next bit yet. I can't. So dating and being single for me is very much about being on my own right now. Still, I've dipped my toe in the water. I might even be paddling right now because I'm enjoying the meeting people thing. All that to say where I'm at in dating world is I'm finding it very amusing and I'm not, my my mission um, for loads of reasons in my life is to not take this shit so seriously, you know? You know what I Everything find interesting? so serious. Go on. It was something oh, you just... said like right at the beginning um, <clears throat> that got me thinking. And then especially in context to the things you were saying later, like related to learnings and, and, uh, and experiences. Um, <clears throat> you're talking about having unsuccessful relationships. And yeah. I was thinking, what does a successful relationship look like? Now, mm. <clears throat> I know that you, you know, you had some exceptions, you had some like bad relationships. Um, mm. And I'm sure there's like loads of people listen who could totally relate Definitely. to that. Yeah. Um, but you also had some good relationships. I did, yeah. And <clears throat> there are people that you remain friends with. Mm-hmm. So would you consider that an unsuccessful relationship just because it ended? See, this is because what I think is that, you know, we change a lot as we get older, just throughout life, right? We change. Things happen and they change us. We grow and we learn and we change. So someone who was right for us at a given time may no longer be right for us at another time and vice versa. It's a two-way thing, right? And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen at the same time. Um, Sometimes one person still wants to be in a relationship and the other doesn't. But when these things naturally come to an end, can we then call it uh, a failed relationship just because it came to an end? Like, is the definition of successful relationship one that lasts a lifetime? Yeah. I suppose... And I love that you've picked up on that because I suppose, again, it's um, it's deconstructing a phrase or an idea or a, a sentiment that's been drilled in subtly 
to mean something that when you actually think about it, it's like, that is such a good point. I think I was trying to almost dissect it a little bit when I was saying unsuccessful, successful, well, unsuccessful in the sense that we're not together, but successful in the lessons that I learned. So here's the thing. Um, I would absolutely agree with you. It's a change the language on the success story because you are so right. It's it's what are we marking this up against? If you manage to stay with someone until the day you die or they do, okay, great, there's a tick one for the book. See, so actually really death being an ending, making something else a success is a bit of a weird one now that I really think about it. So yeah, I like you mentioned I've had really good relations. I am friends or in contact. When I say friends, I mean in contact with very, very, very nice and kind and supportive of more of my exes than I'm not. That's not to say that I would have lots of communication or or, or contact with them um, because I'm also respectful of the fact that they've moved on with their life and I've moved on with mine. But like would check in, would see each other on social media, would say happy birthday if it, if it springs up. There is a very, very kind, friendly atmosphere. And particularly with one of the kind of more adult relationships that I had, that I probably learned the most about myself and and was given the most the most honest love because I was I was really loved for me. And I'm very grateful to that person. I'm very grateful for all of the the lessons that we learned together. And there was a time and situations going on for both of us in both our, our lives independently of each other when we met that I I don't know if either of us would have got through it had we not ended up meeting each other and having each other because we were very good friends. I always envision, envision it to be this sort of, we held each other's hand through really difficult periods in our lives. We got ourselves to these really nice places and then kind of looked at each other. It was a very bizarre time, but it was it was sort of a natural ending. And it's the only one of these that I've ever experienced and possibly ever will, but it was this moment of sort of looking at this person going, are we more like friends than we are like kind of in a relationship with each other now? And right, does this mean that we need to call this a day? And we did. And he helped me move. And it was all very, very kind and loving and respectful. But it was the acceptance that it came to an end. I think we put value on the wrong things. And maybe the value lies in the acceptance of what you just said. We change so much throughout our lives. And if I, because the the beauty of that relationship and the ending of it was the acceptance that it was over and the lack of resistance against an ending. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, certainly for us, we're really conditioned to, you know, within the idea of marriage and it being a lifelong thing. I mean, it's even in the vows, you know, wedding vows, traditional vows, um, to death till death do us part mm. um and even though you know we would consider ourselves like modern women yeah. um undoing all that conditioning is not an overnight thing it's something that you have to work constantly on it's like it's not something you just snap your fingers and say you know what this whole idea of um marriage and a lifelong relationship isn't for me and i don't need to choose that and, i mean you can do that right but actually internalizing that is work that we have to do like we have to do on all of the other 
ideas and gender roles that have that we have grown up with um, and are very much a part of our fabric. It, it takes work. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been married for 13 years. So that's what I know. I know marriage. I know the work involved. And I think there are times, you know, in anyone's marriage, I'd be really curious to hear from others as well, where you kind of do feel like it's coming to, you know, a natural end and that you've grown apart. And then sometimes you just stick it out for longer because of circumstances or, you know, kids or practicalities. And then you kind of get past that and you, you sort of grow together again. And uh, it's, it's work. You know, I don't think anyone who's married would, would disagree with that. I can imagine what the work is, right? Because I've been in relationships. And, and, and when we say anything to do with marriage, like you're, you're, you're married, you have paperwork. But if you're, whether you're married or in a long-term relationship, this applies to you. I've been in longer relationships. I think my longest relationship is five and a half years, which now that we get older, that's not as impressive anymore as it used to be. Especially when you say I'm 13 years, I'm like, oh gosh, right. When you say work, to someone who's not been in a long-term relationship or not experienced a relationship, perhaps, or is in that place, when married people say marriage is hard work, I can kind of understand what that means because I've been in a relationship. And again, we're we're applying this to long-standing relationships or marriages. What do you mean? What does hard work look like? Can you describe it? Can I describe it? Oh, God, a compromise, a lot of compromise. Okay. Um, and I think, right. I think what I find it found difficult and find difficult still is like trying to learn to be less selfish, knowing what to let slide and what's important to bring up. Um, you know, yeah. and these things like, okay. you know, like the things when you meet someone and the relationship is new um, or you're in yeah. like the early years and they're these little things that you find cute. They're little quirks and little things that you find endearing. <laughs> yeah. A few years on, <laughs> you don't find them endearing anymore. And then, you know, like years on yeah. from that, not only are they no longer endearing, they're points of annoyance and conflict. And it's, you have to work at letting them slide. <laughs> I mean, this is just one thing. There's all sorts so of this things is, that come No, up, but this, this is, is interesting. Thing, this is helpful. Because to me, it's like, is it that, and I, I'm being deadly serious here, right, to dissect this because I get to, I get to pick your brains in this. This is, this is part of the beauty. And I hope, I hope other people get something from this. Because to me, marriage is hard work. For some reason, it it conjures an image that says the two people are sitting, like having very formal, adult, mature conversations about everything. But actually what you're saying makes more sense to me because it sounds more like it's actually the hard work that you have to do on yourself. Exactly. Absolutely. 100%. You know, that in terms of conflicts you have as you know, within a relationship, like arguments or disagreements or times you have to actually sit down and have a conversation uh, to make a decision on which you're both on different sides. You know, that 
that is a much, much smaller part for me personally. I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, it's, it's the work that, that happens quietly in my head when I find like another espresso cup that's been left somewhere for two days and, (laughs) and, you know, tiny things and also bigger things, also bigger things. And there always are those as well. Um, now with the bigger things, a conversation happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't you feel guys, like you took did, my. Did you did you have to learn how to speak with each other? Like hundred percent, absolutely. Um, I definitely, I'm sure that uh, my husband would say exactly the same mm. if he were here to speak for himself. Since he isn't, I'm doing all the talking. <laughs> But yeah, I I had to really learn. And honestly, a lot of part of this learning on how to speak to him and communicate with him effectively to get my point across and how I was feeling without him feeling attacked um, and for effective communication, especially in conflict, um, was actually something I learned fairly late on in the relationship. Like I'm talking about within the last five years, these things have really... um, And it's all part and parcel of like just kind of growing up and learning about yourself a bit more as well, which is like a process that never ends, right? So, Do you yeah, think that it's made of... you a better person? Or a, not a better person, that's the wrong way. Um, a more rounded human? God, that's a good question. Than most. Because no. I'll tell you now, and I, like, I, I wouldn't have to take very long to say that you are... Yeah, more rounded probably sums it up. You're you're far more level-headed and I think less fearful of difficult conversations than I am. And I wonder if that comes from having someone because I I never I never really did get very good at that. I I would I would like to think that I'm a good communicator. I think much like you, older in age, I've I've gotten an awful lot better and an awful lot more grasp on 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 shutting up and listening because I never I never could do that in a relationship. It was it was the either I'd be very very quiet but not really I'd listen but I wouldn't hear, or I'd fly off the handle. That middle place of being able to try to understand someone else whose opinion matters to you and whose words have the power to really hurt you, I think is a very, very scary, threatening place. And I think people that can visit that without, with the understanding that it's not personal, it's two people trying to make this happen. We're going to go all in and give this a go from both sides. People are going to respect each other. Yeah, I think it it probably makes in my in my view of you, I think you're far more grounded than I am. And I wonder if that's why, but I don't know. I've only ever known I'm, you married, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I, uh, well, first of all, I think we all struggle with that. Like, I don't, uh, I, d- I don't consider myself at all to be someone who takes criticism or handles difficult conversations any better than anyone else, for sure. And I don't think it uh, comes well, from do. being married. But I d- no, I, d- I don't. I don't think awesome so. Person, just because. 
No, taking it away from me for a minute and just as a sort of general thing. No. I think those kinds of skills. Want, I think those kinds of skills. want to make it about you, Abs. Every okay, time you speaking, talk, I'm going to start talking. I know. <laughs> That's not What was that you were saying about learning to shut up and listen? <laughs> I'm, I said I'm really, really good at it. <laughs> you are. You're exceptionally good at it. You really are. Clearly. Um, no, I mean, look. I think what I'm saying is that I think those skills are, can be learned in all different types of relationships. And to be honest, I think people who have, I'm, okay, I'm making assumptions here because I don't know, I can only speak from my own experience, but um, I think that, uh, you know, experience interacting with people, lots of different people give you much better ability to be able to, to handle those kinds of conversations than with one person for a long time. I mean, yeah, you get really good at communicating with one that with one person for a really long time, um, but that doesn't necessarily apply to communication, like across the board uh, with other people. So, for sure, there are skills I've learned, but I I don't think that that's like a something exclusive to being married. I think other people who are not married are probably like going out and learning these skills much more with much more competency yeah fair enough but i don't know no i hear you i hear you i think it's just that whole thing of of realizing that you've got that constant opportunity to practice and the only thing that i can compare it to is my experience of moving home to ireland this year and being around family because i was on my own do you reckon (laughs) yes I suppose, yeah, there's different buttons that can be pushed. And and the first few months of that was really painful because, because again, these are people who I care about and who I listen to and, and want to feel love from. <laughs> and to me, the realisation that I was taking something that really wasn't personal, very personally, was the most freeing thing and was the kind of another little another little click into the the cogs that are are figuring out me and me in relationships and the work that I need to do to be to be capable and willing to be with somebody else if it happens because like I said going back to the first thing I'm quite happy to stay on my own to say about success and failure, in some ways, the the worst relationships have been more of a success. Because I'll tell you now, my my my, I've had two horrendous relationships, both abusive, and we'll talk about it at a different time. Because I I I will talk about it in the hopes that somebody else will get something out of it and find the hope that potentially I couldn't find at the time. The end of the first relationship, and I was young. That man saved me. I had to fix a lot of things that were already wrong with me before I met him. I had to sort out a lot of things that were already going on. I had massive responsibility in that relationship. Did I deserve anything that happened? Absolutely not under no circumstances, is that what I'm saying? But as a result of that going as wrong as it did, it made me change. As, as much as there is a part of me that doesn't want to credit any of it to that, it would be it would be untrue and unfair the relationships that have been the 
the most unsuccessful have been the most successful in terms of what I've learned. You have learned to be really good by yourself, like thrive mm. and be really comfortable in who you are. And I remember sort of, uh, you know, during the COVID lockdowns, you were on your own. You were locked down on your own. Mm. And I was locked down with uh, my kids and my husband. And we would have these conversations. <laughs> and there was a bit of envy, right? Both ways. Like, yeah. I was envious of you yeah. being on your own. And you were envious of me having people around. Mm. Um, and I, I, I get that. Like, there's some happy balance there. But you became really comfortable being on your own. My husband is away this week, you know, without like, <laughs> without sounding really horrible. I was really looking forward to him going away just because I was looking forward to having a little bit of time to myself and I was looking forward to having like, you know, free reign of Netflix and everything in the evenings um, and having to kind of care for one less person. I'm not saying I have to care for my husband. It's not my child. But, you know, it's a kind of mutual thing, right? You care yeah. for each other. Yeah. It's like another person, it was one less person to care for. So I was kind of looking forward to this break. Um, and yeah, I've enjoyed parts of it. Abs, it would be but, weird if you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I'm just very, conscious of listening healthy. to this and being like, oh, God. Ah, listen, <laughs> Abs, he's probably listening going, me too, me too. And you'd be like, what? But it, it will why, be weird. Why you call me five times? <laughs> this got me thinking about, um, you know, you spending time on your own and everything is that, you know, while I've enjoyed it, I have also at times struggled with just sitting in my own quiet presence. And that, <laughs> you know, that quiet time to think. Mm. Um, there have times where that's felt a little bit too much. And I've been like, just put the TV on just mm. so that you're not in your own head. I think that there's difficulties in both, in, you know, to do with just having co company and not having company. As humans, we are, we tend to be on the, just tip in the direction of dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction, sorry, dissatisfaction. <laughs> That's a brilliant word. I want to keep it. Let's just throw some more syllables in there. Let's just make some extra syllables and, and make it longer. Because it's not already a long word. It's not long enough. <laughs> we tip in the direction of being unsatisfied with our lot and looking at grass as greener, which is why, and it's a whole other conversation, social media just adds to the confusion of that because it's this instant gratification for what we think we're after. And what you just said, I think, is true of people, whether they're single or in a relationship or married. The hardest thing that we can do is sit with ourselves. The hardest thing that I learned to do, and, and I think everything breaking down at the very beginning of lockdown was a beautiful blessing for me because it meant I went into this hibernated world. The, the art of boredom is dying. The yeah. place of being bored and being quiet <laughs> and sitting with yourself, there's too much distraction. We don't have to go there. And in that place, in the bored place, in the place between what's going on and what we do about it, that's where all the good stuff lives. That's where all the answers live. That's where all the things that I don't know, actually, I do know. It's there. So why is it so uncomfortable up. to be in there? 
because we're so, again, it's going back to that whole thing that we spoke about in the beginning. It's the conditioning. It's the conditioning to believe what a success is. It's the conditioning to believe what you're supposed to be. It's the conditioning to believe that if you don't have these things, you're not worthy. If you sit down and get quiet with yourself, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a tornado of madness to, to kind of pass before you get into that place of, and essentially I'm talking about meditation in some ways, but it doesn't always have to look like what you imagine meditation to look like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just sitting and being quiet, if you can challenge yourself to sit and look around you and think about anything and everything and let it come and let it go, move on to the next thought for half an hour, you'd be amazed that I would say after about 10 minutes, the discomfort will wane you'll get into a nice spot and then it will come back. Because our heads don't want us to be quiet. Our heads don't want us to, They, it's this all doing stuff, must always do, must always be, must always, actually we must be. We are human beings, not human doings. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> be a human being. Can I ask you um, no. a question that no. sort of popped into my head a little bit earlier and I'm really, really curious about it. Okay. It's a two-part question. Oh, wow. So, but I'll say the whole thing. Um, part one. <laughs> <laughs> On average... When in a relationship do you feel comfortable to fart in front of your partner? And part two, since being locked down and being able to fart freely at will whenever <laughs> whenever the need arose, have you had to adjust back to being, you know, farting more consciously? And have you farted on any recent dates? That's so I just really, really lowered the uh, yeah. <laughs> just really brought down well, the level I, then, I didn't I? I would say um I would say as soon as you're in my house or I'm in yours. <laughs> uh, yes. So since first date. If I'm in their house on the first day, 100%. No, actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. If they're in my house on the first day, 100%. You're in my house now. Fine. I don't know. No, I think there's probably about a six-weeky thing. Like, if you've... I don't know. I'd say, like, I'd say, like, six weeks of knowing that person, like, you'd want to be farting around them by then. And I don't mean like I'm waiting until six weeks on the button. Like, <laughs> there we are. I also think that once you've slept with that person, all bets are off. Yeah. You know, I can be in my pajamas. You've seen me naked. I'm going to fart. Not all at the same time. See, this is and interesting then- because I think this, I mean, obviously it's a really uh, shallow question. Um, but to try and add a bit of depth to it, 
where let's be honest there is none I'm just clutching no. straws here yeah. I think it's to do with when you know when you can be comfortable with that level of intimacy I remember that like? farting around them do you think farting around someone is more intimate than sleeping with them some people do I could have, I'm actually thinking about that <laughs> no yeah, I don't no, some that's, people that's do. ridiculous it's ridiculous. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's intimacy or necessarily like comfort, like comfort. And some people are disgusted by it. Like I think there's a fine line. Like that. Okay, so I've I we, we share the similar rules on farting. Like farting is funny if it smells. Leave. Yeah. Right. I'm it not talking fun. about. It's funny until it smells. Yeah. I'm not talking about letting really smelly farts rip around someone. Who has to breathe in my gaseous? Is that a word? Noxious gas. Yeah, it is. Gaseous. <laughs> gaseous. My gaseous noxious. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want you to breathe in my gaseous noxious noxious. Um, I if it's if it's noisy and it's air, which it is with me. I'm very, very windy. I'm very, very full of air. You tap on my stomach halfway through the day and it sounds hollow because I'm just, I don't know what happens. For some reason, I breathe and I'm a balloon. I just decided yeah, to she, keep some of it. She once floated off and we had to like <laughs> tether her and weight yeah, her I, down I until the gas had passed. I generally have like one of those little strings just tied from my big toe that in case I ever do float off, like the toe will come out and then you can pull me back down again. Anyway, I, I fart a lot and have since I was a baby. But if it smells, which it very rarely does, then I need to go to the toilet. And so that's disgusting. And I would feel the same about anyone else. To move on to your next part of that question on the... Being on my own in general, lockdown or not, and I would love to hear people's stories on this. Please, please tell us your stories if you relate. I feel like most people have really struggled to adjust back to social cues or standards since being in lockdown. So my first experience of properly coming out of lockdown, weirdly, was a funeral slash memorial, right? Worst thing that you could have reintroduced yourself to being around people with ever because it demands this kind of like higher level of respect and control of oneself. Then yeah, it's not a, it's not an ordinary not everyday like social setting. Barbecue and suddenly seeing loads of people around and being like, okay, here's people because it was my reintroduction to seeing more people than three people that I'd seen the whole the lockdown time, and I farted. And so did my friend. At least you weren't alone. (laughs) No, I was sitting there and I started laughing. And then I was sat listening to someone. And I mean, I just farted without any apology, without any consideration for what I was doing. I forgot. I forgot that you're not supposed to do that. And I'd been laughing away. And then I was just, and then just went, and I went, and I wet myself laughing. Because I also forgot that you weren't supposed to draw attention to it. And so nobody knew what to do. And then other people started laughing. And then my friend walked out. This is a a little while later. It wasn't immediately. It would have been beautiful if it was. And she just let rip. And and her face, when she realised what she was doing and who was around, (laughs) 
and then and then the kind of the I find it even funnier when people are very polite about farts like oh excuse me excuse me I think excuse me is really funny as a as a as a response to a fart I don't know why it just seems it just seems way too polite to say excuse me to a fart that I just let rip like you know like it's like asking for excuse asking for an excuse when you just made a fart like I, I don't know it just doesn't go together for me it's like I just like in that case I could just go around and go excuse me excuse me it's kind of like if you walked into a room and was like fuck everyone but that's not what I think of you like or or when yeah. someone says no offense but and then offends you it's like to yeah. me it's the same thing <laughs> I know exactly what you mean it's like the the sort of it doesn't seem to kind of fit the gravity no. of sort of farting no. in a public space <laughs> but yeah it's hilarious and so I but I have been in shops and I've forgotten and to be honest I think I get away with it because I've not only forgotten I've stopped caring and so I've noticed that people have looked at me and then I've realized what I've done but I'm so What's... not considering what what did you just what no, I actually just, I moved this noise? and it made, a, <laughs> it, it was my cup against the cork mat. And I actually thought the same thing. And I should have really said yes to that so that it would have made good content, but I didn't. I moved my cup and the thing got stuck and made a fart noise. Um, yeah, I, I farted in shops and then just kind of continued about my business and I've seen out of the corner of my eye people look and I'm like oh I just farted out loud and then because I'm not reacting they're confused they think maybe it was my shoe sometimes Which I do that too sometimes I want, drag yeah. my shoe and with the other foot and like make it make another sound so they think oh it was definitely your shoe or oh yeah I've done that you know <clears throat> or but I've gotten less I don't care as much and I've been in relationships at the beginning where I've tried desperately and ended up with a cramp not to fart. Don't get me wrong, if it was the first day or second day, I think I'd try not to make noise. I just don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, I don't. And this is why I'm curious. This is why I'm asking you because, I mean, you said you fart a lot. You don't actually fart a lot. It's not like you have a farting problem, right? Just to to put that out there and clear it up. Like, Jen does not have a flatulence problem. Um, But you are much more chill and it, it doesn't bother you. And like me, you do find them funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it's funny to like force out a far, fart or a burp for the sake of humour. I think it's funny when they happen. Oh, yeah. 100% agree. Okay. Absolutely. No, I mean, natural. when it happens naturally, it is funny. Well, depending on, I mean, it's not like you, you know, you walk around and you fart and you laugh at yourself. It depends on the, the situation. <laughs> but what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier about being on your own <laughs> it happens but this is why I'm asking because I know that like you're much more comfortable with it than and I am as well than probably many people are like this is people yeah. feel different ways about this thing I can totally understand why like I can understand why people would be grossed out as well um but have you ever been in a situation where you've been dating someone um and then you farted in front of them and they've been really really repulsed yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the best relationship that I mentioned earlier on, he really didn't like it. He 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 used to kind of kick off when when it would happen. Like 
in a in a kind of not unlike your husband actually to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right? He gets, he, he used to get real wound up about it. Like, it's not funny. It's just not funny. And I'd be pissing myself laughing. No, it's just not funny. Leave the room. And you're like, I didn't do it on purpose. Calm down. Like, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny because it accidentally happened. I haven't stank the room out. There is no smell. It is just air. It's funny. So, yeah, he used to get wound up. Um, And actually, what was weird about that was, I don't know whether I was somehow subconsciously aware but he was probably the person that I waited the longest and panicked the longest about farting around. Um, and then eventually it got to the point where I had a decision to make. Do I want to die because I'm going to explode from holding in all these farts? Or do I give a shit about farting around someone? And I just don't. And I don't care about people farting around me, but I do revert back to the whole, if it stinks, get away from me and don't yeah. force your farts out for the sake of a laugh. If farts happen, they're funny. I would tell you what's the spots out around you. <laughs> and I know I'd get mm. lost. Yeah, there are moments. There are definite <laughs> moments. But if you did that thing where you hotboxed me, absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Moving on. Yeah. Um, did we get I any stories coming? Yeah. So I got a response because I put it on Instagram. Um, for anyone that's not following me at Jenny, it's Jenny Kavanagh, um Instagram. I've put up some and will put up some polls occasionally. So please follow oh you can email you can, us as well so, yeah. yeah email addresses um stories at no one asked pod.com whoa yes it is so i got a message in response to asking people about their stories of being single or married or in a relationship and I got one saying, single after nine years, no kids involved, best decision ever. I think I'm actually asexual now. I relate. I understand that. Take as long as you need to. See, this is what I like as well now is that, you know, because of the shift and the move away from or the move in the right direction to undoing all this conditioning, people are saying, yeah, I am. I am just happy being by myself. I don't need anyone else. And there's all of the stigma attached to that is slowly breaking away absolutely. good for you absolutely especially after nine years that's going to take a, a bit of time and a bit of unraveling and whatever i think revert back to earlier in the podcast when i talked about that invisible memo that gets sent when people expect you to either move on or equally on the other side i've seen people that are get really upset if people move on too soon in their eyes yeah um, i know it's weird isn't it very to me, yeah, because all that I would say is depending on the relationship, the ending of the relationship, where you're at in your life, how you feel about your your yourself and moving forward, and then obviously who you meet, all these things align for a reason. You know, whatever situation, circumstances, relationship or not, a person is in, that that may well be the right place for them to be. I remember starting to see people again I remember starting to kind of suddenly realize I was notice yeah I was noticing good-looking people around me and I hadn't for all that time and it wasn't that I wasn't around good-looking people it was that I, I wasn't capable of noticing or or I didn't want to to admire or look at because it was so scary to me and all that stuff had to thaw out all that stuff had to unravel and and eventually then it was like six months ago 
it was like, oh, there's a good looking person. Wow. Oh, wow. I haven't felt that or experienced that thought for such a long time. This is weird. Um, then I, I fell in love with a dude off TikTok. Um, <laughs> who's, from what I see, in a very happy relationship now with somebody else. Um, very beautiful human. I'm going to a concert tomorrow night with somebody that I've never met before and barely spoke to. And I'm so excited because it's like you get to meet someone, you get to go and see music. And it's just there's no pressure because worst case scenario, that person's not my person. Whether that's like really not my person because they're an asshole or not my person as in not that into them and vice versa. That's okay. Because I'll be in exactly the same situation that I'm in today. And today I'm pretty all right. With the added bonus of like having gone out and had a good evening and met new people. But what I mean is if it's a nightmare of a night, no matter what you end up doing, that's the worst case scenario. It's a night where you go, that was shit. Like, so what? Now, that is one thing that I would say is I'm I'm very selective. So I'm not just, I've kind of figured out some of the 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 things, the indicators for me that it's like, that seems like a really nice, decent person. If they don't turn out to be, that's fine. But what I mean, I'm not being flippant about my time either because I don't have time. And I think this is a beautiful place to be. I'm not changing who I am and I'm equally not going out of my way to try and change anybody else. I've got a message from Matt and he, um, he said... He met his girlfriend at the end of Tough Mudder. Now, okay. full disclosure here. I know Matt. And I was on Tough Mudder with him. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like to take credit where credit is not due. <laughs> so I will just t- take this credit because it is absolutely due. I injured myself really badly. And ended up at mine. And ended up at Abby's house because I absolutely scrambled my back and ended up with like months and months afterwards of of trying to put that back together. But yeah, so I was on Tough Mudder with Matt this day and he had been texting this girl who he'd been quite excited about going down. Matt is a very good friend of mine. He shoved me into one of those golf caddy things because I couldn't do anymore. I was trying to finish it and he had been giving me a jockey back down this slip slidey muddy pathway and this golf caddy comes along and he's like Jen you've got to go like you've got to go you're gone blue and I was like right they thought I'd hypothermia first of all because apparently I'd gone blue and I was like right now when to stop so he puts me in this golf caddy sends me on my way and I go off to the medic tent and he literally continues around the next corner and at the water station he meets the woman he now lives with I love this now if I'd been there and he'd been jockey backing me the chances are they wouldn't have had time to chat now Again, I don't want to take this where so you I'm are not taking credit. credit for this. Just saying, had I not really hurt myself, I they wouldn't be together. Okay, here you go, Matt. You're hearing it here. She did it. For You're you. welcome. You're welcome to both of you. Basically, he says that he met uh, Steph at the end of Tough Mudder, and she was interested after seeing me. In, oh, I love this. And if she was interested in seeing me in that state, wet head to toe, covered in mud, freezing and shattered. Then I knew she could handle me at my worst, as they say. Uh, We were forced to live together in a way because of lockdown. We chose to, 
but not sure we would have moved in that soon if it wasn't for lockdown. Knowing that we could love love with each other, that I think that's a typo, live with each other and love with each other in a small flat and not want to kill each other made it incredibly easy to decide to buy a house. Not to mention the financial situation at that point was in our favour. You never know if something will go the distance in a relationship, but you either go for it and it's 50-50 or you don't. And it's 100% that it's not going to work. But I really like that bit I that love says, it. Do you like that too? Yeah, I think that was... 50-50. Thanks for that, Matt. I think that's yeah. lovely. Do you know what else I like about that? And I think that it can often be overlooked is that the sort of practical side of getting into relationship learning we've spoken about this before <clears throat> but you learn so much about another person when you travel with them and when you mm. live with them and that's where you really learn if you're compatible um so until that point you don't know right so what yeah, Matt's I- saying is like there was like you know there's always a 50 50 50 chance of it working out or not um yeah. <clears throat> and you just got to go for it because you don't know until you try it i think it's a really powerful mature and and descriptive way in a very simple way to understand of going you go all in or you're guaranteeing that it's not going to work because you're not giving it your best go yeah and that's true of anything I suppose um so yeah thanks for that and um I do think I do agree with you I want to see how someone works traveling I want to see how someone is in an airport I want to see how I did it very early on did you with my husband like I we we went on a holiday within literally I don't know a couple of months of dating and we went and we traveled you're right it's a very very easy quick way before moving in with someone to figure out yeah because you see what each other how how each other works uh, in stressful environments under pressure um you live together in a temporary way so you get to know each other more like you know when you are literally in each other's company all the time um but it's a lot less pressure because you're gonna come home at the end of the day so if you you go away on holiday and you realize that my god we are totally incompatible then it's okay because you haven't signed a year lease (laughs) be terrible so yeah maybe maybe do a holiday a holiday first We've got to finish. There you go. Nice closing words. If you have any stories related to relationships, (laughs) if you have any stories or anecdotes or funny things to tell us um, or serious things to tell us about uh, anything you've experienced recently or not recently, no no one asks pod.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye. Bye.